O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. What are you waiting for? A follow-up appointment with the doctor where hopefully you will get some good news? A college acceptance letter? An estranged family member to finally make an apology? Some sort of decision that needs to be made? Christmas morning to get here so that you can open those presents you've been waiting for? A permanent peace treaty between Israel and Palestine? An end to this sermon? <laughs> We're all waiting for something. And what does waiting feel like for you? It's not uncommon to be at least a little bit impatient and anxious while we wait. Waiting can be a challenge because waiting feels so unlike doing, which our culture has trained us is wasteful. This is why multitasking has become so prevalent. If we're waiting for something to happen, we don't often just sit there and daydream or pray or notice the world all around us. No, typically we pull out our adult pacifier, known as a phone, and occupy ourselves. So we're not even waiting when we're waiting. We're scrolling, emailing, or gaming. Not to mention how quickly everything happens in our modern world. A lot of people listen to podcasts and watch videos at faster than live speeds. We order the most random household items and have gotten used to them showing up at our front door within 24 hours. We have a question about anything and our phones give us a response in seconds. In other words, we have gotten out of practice when it comes to waiting for anything, which makes Advent a difficult time in the church year for us to live with. The word Advent comes from a Latin word and means coming. So Advent is a season in which the church turns our attention to that which is yet to come. And there is an unfortunate misunderstanding among many people, even among clergy, the Advent is about preparing for Christmas. It is not. Yes, Christmas is of course coming, and we are thinking about how we are preparing our homes, our hearts, our lives to receive the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, just as the world received him 2,000 years ago. But more than that, Advent is about waiting for what is described in this morning's Gospel text from Mark, as well as the greatest of all hymns. Lo, he comes with clouds descending. <clears throat> Advent is that time of the year when the church reminds us that we are waiting, hoping, expecting the day when all swords will be beaten into plowshares, when the lions will finally lie down with the lambs, when every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, when, as we say in the creed each week, that he shall come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, when the kingdom has come just as fully on earth as it is in heaven, when all people can say that all has been made well. And so you can see why Advent is a tricky time of the year for the church. It's a season about waiting. 
and we are not very good at waiting. Plus, I will let you all decide if this is the most wonderful time of the year or not, but most people would say it's certainly the busiest time of the year. And so we don't have time in December to wait for anything. There are presents to wrap, parties to attend, cards to be mailed, lights to be strung, cookies to be baked. This Advent season, the sermons are all going to revolve around the collects. The collect is the prayer that we use at the opening of worship, and it is pronounced collect, not collect. The collect, though, is not just the prayer for Sunday morning. It's the prayer for the entire week. So if you're looking for a way to be more prayerful in this season of Advent, take that page of the bulletin home with you and pray that prayer each day of the week. The practice of having a collect goes back at least to the 600s. And these prayers have a very predictable formula. There's an address or an invocation to God, a petition or request, and a concluding mediation where the Trinity is named. And this predictable pattern makes it easy for any of us or for a congregation to write their own collects, as we've done with our parish prayer. Today's collect first appeared in the first Book of Common Prayer in 1549, and it draws heavily on biblical imagery from the Book of Romans. This Advent collect captures so well the tension of this season, both that we are preparing for the coming of Christ as we put on that armor of light, and at the same time we are waiting for his glory to be revealed. These might sound like opposites, waiting and hastening, but the interplay between them is perhaps the best description of what it means to be a Christian. Followers of Jesus are those who are passively reliant on the grace of God, and at the same time, actively participating in the kingdom. We are both waiting and preparing. And this tension is found in the collects between the part that says now, in the time of this mortal life, and then the part that says that in the last day when he shall come again. Christianity is about both the now and the then, both the today and the last day. The challenge and the struggle is that that last day sure does seem to be taking its time getting here. Read the New Testament and quickly you will realize that no one expected any of us to be here. Most followers of Jesus believe that that final trumpet would sound in their lifetime, maybe a generation or two more at the most. Now, it's one thing if you wait a couple of minutes for your coffee order to be ready, a few hours for someone to respond to an email, a few days for an appointment to be available, a few months for a baby to arrive. But when the waiting turns into years, decades, centuries, even millennia, well, it's easier to just move on and forget that we're waiting for anything. We put our hopes elsewhere after a thousand years. We find other things to focus on. We lose the sense of urgency. Now, I'm pretty sure we all remember when we learned in school that one day the sun is going to become a red giant before burning out, and that process will swallow and destroy the earth. The destruction of all of this should put dread into our hearts. 
but it's not going to happen for about five billion years. And so given that scale of time, it would be unreasonable for any of us to worry about that event for even a single second, unless you're an astrophysicist. But it's the same reason why we all pretty much are ignoring the fact that our current economic and transportation practices are destroying this planet. But the change is just too gradual. There's no sense of urgency. How much more so is this the case when that last day seems to be even further away? And so to close that gap between the now and the then, the church has historically done one of two things. One is to try to inject a sense of immediacy into things. This is what is known as hellfire and brimstone preaching. If that's what you're looking for, as much as I love having you here, you're going to have to go somewhere else to hear that. I am not going to scare you into thinking that God is something like the boogeyman, just waiting around the corner, ready to pounce. Nor am I going to tell you that God is anything like Santa Claus. God is not making a list, nor checking it twice. Nor am I going to tell you that I had a dream last week or saw a shooting star that told me that the world is going to end on such and such date, thereby making that last day something that you can urgently put on your calendar. Sadly, some churches try to eliminate that anxiety of waiting by creating a false sense of urgency. Other churches, though, they have the opposite reaction. Some say this whole thing about the last day, it's just an unfortunate misunderstanding. There is no last day that's coming. We misread the prophecies, they say. When Jesus talked about the sun being darkened, he was speaking metaphorically. Or he was referring to his crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, the day of Pentecost, or maybe all of that put together, but something that's already happened. Essentially, this response is summed up by John Lennon. Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us, only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Well, in this worldview, there is no last day, just an eternal and unending today. It's something like deist theology. God set everything up a long time ago. Maybe every once in a while does a little something, but there's no overall direction or destination to creation. And this second approach is much more common among mainline churches, but just as problematic as the first. This so-called solution to our discomfort with waiting has partially led to the decline of faith. If we have no future hope, if we do not anticipate that God is ever going to show up and do anything, then rather quickly faith becomes an opinion, a fairy tale, a legend of old. Instead of expecting and relying on God to be our savior, we've taken that job into our own hands, often with disastrous consequences. Eliminating the idea of the last day not only requires us to jettison a lot of scripture, but it also would have us to abandon all hope that things will ever be set right. But what other option is there? How can we wait with a sense of urgency for something that seems like it's just never going to happen? Well, the Collect puts us on the path 
for this sort of expectant and active waiting with its language about light and darkness, which comes from Romans. The metaphor that we might use to imagine what the Christian life is like is that of a sentinel, or to use the older and gendered language, a watchman. As Psalm 130 puts it, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Yes, that final and last day of the Lord might be far off in the future, but there are beams of its light that brighten our path today. We do not wait passively, but rather we are actively watching and waiting for those glimpses of God's love, mercy, peace, and reconciliation. And then, like a sentinel, when we see them, we announce the glad news. Now, a lot of churches have mission statements descriptions of what it is we intend and attempt to be and to do. And those are fine, I suppose. You might have noticed, though, that St. Luke's does not have a mission statement. Instead, we have something else. It's what one author calls a watchword. Now, when we were developing our watchword, I had no idea that that's what we were doing. I did not know what a watchword was. But that is exactly what come and see is. Now, a mission statement is about what a church does. A watchword is something that helps us to pay attention to what God is doing. A watchword reminds a community of the foundation that it rests on and is a way for us to describe what it looks like when God is active in our midst. A watchword focuses our attention on what God is up to and how we can be a part of it. At St. Luke's, our watchword is come and see the difference Christ makes in abundant grace, intentional worship, and beloved community, with come and see being the shorthand way of signifying that larger statement. It's how we both live in the now while still eagerly anticipating that last day. The watchword helps us to notice those moments when God's future is alive in our present. Now, I will confess that each month, Tyler and I max out on the allowable contribution to our retirement account. If I really and truly expected the last day to come in the next 30 years, I would be spending that money instead of investing it. <laughs> but that does not mean that I am not also eagerly anticipating that God will make all things well. And so we live with the tension of these two realities by being sentinels who through community, song, scripture, and sacrament attune our senses to what God is up to in this world. We are trying to keep awake as we expect that God is up to something for us to come and see. And in those moments of grace that we see, then we tell others, come and see. So something you might consider doing this Advent is to think about your own watchword in faith. What grounds you in faith and helps you to keep alert to the movement and coming of God in your life? It would be my delight to talk with each of you more about this, both to help you name your watchword, but also to hear what your watchword might be so I might learn more about how the Spirit is moving in our community.
Having a watchword helps us to rest in that tension between the now and that last day when he shall come again in clouds descending. It really is the question of Advent. It is the question of our faith. What are you waiting for? 